Welcome to 5-Minute Finance, a podcast that explores topics that are impacting your money. Join us as we discuss what is moving the economy, markets, stocks, and personal finance. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Before acting on any financial advice, you should consult a financial professional who can review your specific financial situation. Any opinions expressed by the hosts or guests are their own and do not reflect the opinion of LVM Capital Management. Clients or employees of LVM Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in the podcast. Welcome to 5-Minute Finance. I am Jordan, here today with Wyatt Counterman. Wyatt, welcome back. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Today is November 10th, and we are coming off of what is some pretty high inflation data that just printed this morning, the highest in 31 years. And at the same time, Bitcoin appears to be making an all-time high as well. This uh, will kind of count as our second installment of our Bitcoin blockchain cryptocurrency series here. We got a lot of positive feedback, questions, and comments as well. So thank you, everyone, for that. Um, Today, we're going to go kind of the next level down and talk about two different concepts when it comes to these coins. There's proof of work and proof of stake. Why it may be, and I know we're kind of opening up to a big question here, but Generally speaking, Bitcoin was founded on the proof-of-work concept and Ethereum, uh, the second biggest coin, was founded on the proof-of-stake. Can you give us some high-level comments on what is the differentiator between these two? Gladly. So like you said, uh, Bitcoin was founded on the proof-of-work system. That is the original system. And actually, the original Ethereum was also founded on proof-of-work. You do you know, mine for both of those coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but there is also a Ethereum 2.0 which is a proof of stake. So you have both options within Ethereum. The main difference is that proof of work, it's a race between computers. So what you want to try to do is solve a mathematical problem as quickly as possible. And whichever supercomputer can do that, the fastest gets to put their name on the blockchain. And it's my understanding that this is quite energy intensive. There's been stirrups over the years, and I think China's been kind of put on the map too for the emissions that are generated through this proof of work concept, which you don't have in the proof of stake concept. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So proof of work is definitely an energy intensive process due to how much computing power you need. The thing that incentivizes people to use the proof of work system is the same as the proof of stake, though. So if you are the first to you know, solve this problem and put your mark on the blockchain, you're rewarded with crypto. So if you're mining Bitcoin and your computer is the fastest, you're rewarded in Bitcoin at a predetermined amount. And that's different than the proof of stake, correct? It's actually pretty similar to proof of stake. So okay. proof of stake, you're also rewarded, but rather than rewarding these supercomputers for being the fastest you're actually rewarded for being the most invested in the cryptocurrency. So let's say you are staking Cardano, which is a popular proof of stake cryptocurrency. The stakers or validators who have the largest amount of Cardano and have held it the longest are rewarded. So the proof of stake concept rewards those who literally are more invested in that cryptocurrency by providing them with more cryptocurrencies. So I have... I don't know, 1,000 Cardano, I stake it, and I'm becoming somewhat of a a validator for the system? Exactly. Yes. So the validators, they stake their crypto in exchange for a chance of getting to validate a new transaction, and then the network will select a winner based on the length of time and the amount of crypto you have staked. And then, well, this process rewards those who are more highly invested in the currency. 
So I did a little digging and, and maybe you can add a little bit to this, um, expanding on our previous episode on this, there's 14,000, I'm going to round by six here and say there's 14,000 coins. The total market cap now is about 3 trillion of that 3 trillion, 43% of it is dominated by Bitcoin. And the, the second leading one, Ethereum is at 19%. And I think as I've seen it come to a lot of the coins that are being created now have been proof of stake for efficiency, speed of transactions, and scalability. I don't know of any others outside of Bitcoin that that operate under the proof-of-work framework. I'm not aware of any either besides the original Ethereum, but you're right. All of the new cryptocurrencies that are coming out are on proof-of-stake. So that kind of brings me to another topic that I wanted to bring up is a stablecoin. And so we hear a lot about stablecoins in contrast to traditional cryptocurrencies. So what is a stablecoin? Stablecoin. This one, this one's a little different. So unlike picking on Bitcoin, Ethereum, where you don't have it backed by any physical asset, you have it backed by, again, these concepts that Wyatt was discussing. Stablecoins, you might have heard of, of Tether or USDC, are actually backed by fiat currencies or cash-like instruments, which could be a short-term treasury, commercial paper, banker acceptance. These typically are used to facilitate trades between cryptocurrencies. They are pegged to the dollar, and so usually $1 equals one, say, Tether or one USDC, and you are free to trade those, but somewhat as an intermediary between different coins out there. More, I don't actually know if it's a proof of stake or a proof of work. I don't think it operates under either because it does have a, a backing that you can freely exchange for fiat currencies of, of sorts there. So I guess my follow-up question then is, what is an advantage of a stable coin over just holding the U.S. dollar in your bank account? That's a great question. And the U.S. Department of Treasury just put out a paper within the last two weeks that basically was discussing the importance of this. And I think what's going to gain some traction here is how digital everything is becoming, you know, whether you're using PayPal or Venmo, anything to send money, you're already sending digital dollars. And I think this just helps to better facilitate those transactions. So hopefully you all continue to find this helpful. We'll you know, keep looking for your questions, podcast at lvmcapital.com. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks.